We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the hands of waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Yes! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all of your sports wagering needs. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet. Uh, also, at the top, it's draft season. Make sure you sign up for NFBKC fantasy contest. Best way to test yourself against some of the best fantasy players in the fantasy basketball industry. James, I know you've already done. At least one NFBKC draft, possibly more. Uh, I'll be doing one on Sunday night. Alex will be in a separate draft on Sunday night as well. Uh, make sure you join one of those leagues. You can draft against us. If you finish ahead of Alex or you finish ahead of me uh, in each of those leagues, you'll get a free rotowire.com subscription. That's roughly a like $5 billion value, uh, so it's a pretty big prizes on the line. Go to rotowire.com slash high stakes uh, for more info on those NFBKC contests. James Anderson, you are back. Uh, we're going to be doing these weekly um, for the next foreseeable future, I suppose, as the NBA season gets underway. Uh, obviously, the season does not start until Tuesday night, so this is our last chance to get in our official NBA predictions for the season. Uh, we, we've done these the last few years. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, I love doing these concept pods with you. Um, and we've had about 24 hours to prep our answers. I, I put in a lot of deep thought last night, a lot of deep thought this morning on awards. We're going we're gonna to project the All-Stars in both conferences um, we're going to project the finals matchup. Uh, so we're kind of going to go you know, through the whole gamut here. But we will start at the top, James, with the 2021-2022 NBA MVP. Uh, who is your choice here? So if I knew that Giannis was going to play like 75 games, he'd be my pick. But I think he you'd probably be lucky if he plays 70 games. And so I'm going with Luka Doncic, who's the odds on favorite. So not a, not a splashy pick at all, but uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious case. Um, I have, I mean, we're going to get to sort of how we are seeing the West unfold. I have the Mavs as a top four seed in the West and 
Uh, I think if they get there, get kind of around 50 wins, which is sort of where I expect him to be, um, he's going to get all the credit as he should. And, you know, I, I just, I think it's maybe his award to lose when you factor in, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant probably missing 15-plus games apiece. So I think you're totally right that it is Luka's award to lose, and the odds would bear that out. He's the favorite at plus 380, and there's a bit of a gap at this point. I mean, you have KD at 6-1, to Embiid 7-1, to Giannis 9-1, to Curry 9-1. to um, But going from plus 380 to plus 600, um, I, I think Luka is definitely the safest option. I, I think, you know, it, it's pretty easy to build a case for him, obviously, with Durant, Embiid, Giannis, and even Curry, the next four guys uh, in the odds. All four of those guys have injury concerns. A couple of those guys have load management concerns. Um, so I, I think phrasing it that way, if Luka's award to lose, is is perfect. I, I'm going to go with Giannis on this one. I don't have quite as many concerns about that workload. I think I did a couple weeks ago, and, and it seems like whatever knee issues he was having, um, he certainly seems to have moved past those. He looked great, I thought, last night uh, against Utah. Uh, the jump shot looks really good. I, I'm not ready to just pencil him in all of a sudden as like 2003 Kevin Garnett from the mid range, but you know if he can add even you know a, a 10 or 15 percent better um, overall jump shot, you know maybe including free throws, I, I think that puts him over the top. But I, I don't know. I mean, Luca makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not going to try to dissuade you from that too well, much. I, I feel like all things equal. Like if the season goes, if we just have like a normal season. Um, or you play out the season a hundred times, I think Luca wins the MVP more often than not. I, I mean, I'm mad now because I, I really do think Giannis is going to have the best regular season mm-hmm. on a permanent basis. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm upset that you are, are calling Giannis and I am, I'm not, but I mean, it's, it's so close, you know, I, like I said, I mean, yeah, it, it's a games played thing with Giannis. I hope you're right about it. Like, I, I think, like, I'm not worried about him being in sort of peak, or basically close to peak physical shape right now. Um, man, I mean, can you can you picture them sitting him uh, like in in some back to backs? Like like how like if he yeah. doesn't suffer like a serious injury, how many games does he could play? I, I think if he doesn't suffer a serious injury, he could play 72 games, and that's kind of where he's been the last few years. If he prorated and even before you know, all the COVID stuff kind of wreaked havoc on the schedule. It's not like he's, he's been like an 82 game guy. Um, you know, I, I think he, I think he's more than capable of putting up the numbers that are going to be necessary to win the MVP, even if he's going to miss a few games. Like I, I think Jokic last year, maybe set like an unrealistic standard yeah. where he, he was like lapping the field in games played. I mean, the, Giannis won it with 72 games played in 2018, 19. So I, I, think, I think if he can match that, I think he can do that. <laughs> I think 72 is enough for him to win. And I think he has, he kind of has the most obvious, uh, narrative angle yes. to win it because, like, I think the Bucks could very easily have the best record in the league. I mean, they could have the best record in the league by like three or four games. And everyone's just going to give Giannis all the credit, uh, to anything Bucks related. So, exactly. Um, and, and like, it's just a way for like the media to kind of, reward him once again for just how good he was in the playoffs last year. So, um, man, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. The way I phrased it in my notes is I I think Giannis has the safest mix of team success and the numbers necessary to win MVP. You know, like, Dodgers is going to have the numbers, but I'm not 100% sold that the Mavs are a 50-win team 
I, I'm pretty sold that the Bucks are going to be really good and are going to be a, a top one or two seed in the East. And, and I feel like the, the voter fatigue that everybody talks about with a former MVP, like that's completely worn off at this point. Like if oh, anything, yeah. I, I think Giannis's approval rating is higher now than it's ever been. Like coming yeah. off of the finals, I think people want to give him another MVP. Whereas going into the last couple of years, it was, okay, this guy's been great in the regular season, but he hasn't gotten done in the postseason. We can't keep rewarding him for this. Now that he has the title, I think he's clear to win as many MVPs as he wants. Yeah, no, totally agree. Okay, Defensive Player of the Year. Where are you going here? Uh, I hate this one. I mean, I, I, I'm <laughs> it's, it's really go not with, fun. I'm going to go with Gobert, but I, I mean, it, yeah. You know, I think there could there could be some voter fatigue here, uh, just because you know he keeps winning this award and they keep ba- getting bounced in the second round. Um, uh, you know, I, I thought about Giannis. I thought about Anthony Davis. I think those are like the two most realistic options other than Gobert. Um, I do have a huge, like one of my biggest, um, pet peeves, maybe in all of sports commentary is the way that Ben Simmons gets discussed as like the second best defender or third best defender in the league when I am 100% convinced Joel Embiid's a better defender than Ben Simmons, and they're on the same team. And so, like, that whole thing where Ben Simmons has the second-best odds for this award on DraftKings just drives me crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's Gobert will have the best defensive regular season if he stays healthy. And I just, you know, if his numbers, like, when, when you look at, like, blocks and you look at, like defensive rating when he's on the court, it's going to be so much better than what Davis or Giannis is going to have. So I'm just going to go with Gobert. First of all, the Simmons thing is nuts. I had that in my notes as well. I, I mean, I just think there's too much controversy around Ben Simmons. So like, even if he comes back and has an, an amazing defensive season, whether it's for the Sixers or for somebody else, like he's not winning any awards this year. Like people have him crossed off. Like he's in the Harden zone from last year. Um, I also think you're right to note that there could be some voter fatigue with Gobert. He's won it three of the last four years, and every year it almost feels like he kind of just backs his way into it, and it's like, well, nobody else grabbed it, so I guess we'll just give it to Gobert. And I think he now has that that reputation that Giannis had before the Bucks won the title, where it's like, okay, this guy just keeps dominating in the regular season, but he continues to be exposed. And I, I think maybe some voters are going to stop you know, re- like rewarding him for for that. Um, so I, I think there could be some fatigue with Gobert. I mean, nonetheless, he's the favorite for a reason. I'm going to go with Draymond Green on this one. He's oh, at man. twenty to one. He's at twenty to one on, on DraftKings. Um, you know, I like I said, it's kind of like with with Luca and Gobert. It's like gun to my head. If I had to make one pick with my life on the line, I'd probably pick Gobert. But I think there's a narrative here for Draymond. Warriors were second in defensive rating last season. Um, I don't know. It feels like this could be like a, especially if the Warriors are good and the defense is good again, it could be a, wow, Draymond is so versatile. How is he only one at once? You know, kind of a, a lifetime achievement, defensive player of the year award type of situation. You know, it's not going to Simmons. People are tired of Gobert. Um, you know, Anthony Davis is 7-1. to one. I, I think the Lakers are going to struggle. Miles Turner is always banged up. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Draymond should be 20-1. to one. I, I think there's a, a pretty good case for him to be, like, second or third in line this season. Yeah, yeah. I'm mad at myself for not mentioning him with Giannis and AD. I mean, he he definitely has. I, I mean, I think AD and Draymond specifically have pretty clear narrative paths because 
he's going to be the only good defender on the Lakers during the regular season. And if they, if he plays enough center, he might get rewarded for that. And if the Lakers have like a top 10 defense, everyone will just point to AD. Um, and that's kind of the exact same thing with the Warriors. Like Draymond's going to play more center than ever. And if they have a good defense, obviously he'll be the main reason why. So, um, yeah, I mean, and again, 20 to 1, that's a very worthwhile bet. Draymond also really wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I don't think that could be understated. I think some guys on the list could go either way. Um, I, I think Draymond would, would very much appreciate getting a second one. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. We'll go to rookie of the year, uh, then we'll do most improved, and then we'll finish out with coach of the year. Uh, who is your rookie of the year prediction? Uh, Jalen Green. I I think this is going to be a really strong rookie class. Uh, like, I think the, the all rookie teams are going to be pretty, pretty stacked, and there's going to be some stiff competition to get on those. Uh, but I, I just think it's all kind of set up pretty nicely for Green to have the like rookie of the year pretty much always comes down to points plus assists plus rebounds. And I just think he's the best bet to lead that. Uh, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I said this on our last spot, I think he's going to average over 20 points a game, which just by itself is probably going to get him rookie of the year, right? Like, Kind of regardless yeah. of how well he is at passing or defense, like if he averages over 20 a game, he's, he's probably going to be the guy. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit lower on his scoring upside, as we discussed on that pod, but I'm with you. I have Jalen Green as well. Would not be surprised at all if, if this is a really close race between he and Kate Cunningham. And I think Evan Mobley, the way he's looked so far, uh, could have a say, um, you know, especially if he opens and, and starts the entire year. I think there was some concern that, you know, there could be, a bit of a mess with marketing and Kevin Love in that situation, but I, it looks like they're going to do the right thing at least and prioritize the development of Mobley over getting Kevin Love 35 minutes a night. Um, so that, yeah, I, I mean, I considered Mobley, like I said, considered Cunningham. We also haven't seen Kate Cunningham on a basketball court since the summer league. And, you know, he tweaked his ankle early in camp, probably going to miss the entire preseason. Um, you know, could even bleed into the regular season. I ultimately probably not something that's going to be a huge issue, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, if, if he has to use the first couple weeks of the regular season as his preseason, I, I think that sets you back a little bit. I think the Pistons could be a little bit of a mess. Not that Houston won't be, but I, 
I mean, I think the big thing with Green is if everything is equal, like if you view him and Cunningham as kind of on the same level, and the odds do, Kate Cunningham's at plus 250, Green's at plus 275 to win Rookie of the Year. I think the Rockets are like a, a laboratory for breeding a Rookie of the Year this season. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like like with the pace and everything, we talked about that yeah. last week. And, and then with Detroit, like they're going to – keep giving Killian Hayes shots on the ball this season. And like Sadiq Bay wants to score 20 a game. Jeremy Grant thinks of his, himself as the top scorer on that team. So it's just, there's a lot of mouths to feed. It's a bad team, but you know, there, there is kind of a pecking order there. And obviously, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to cut into Jalen Green's usage, but uh, I, you know, that team's just going to play so fast. They're going to get up so many shots. Yep. Um, and then I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Scotty Barnes guy. Um, at least, you know, the people highest on him just really, really love him. I'm very worried about the, the jump shot, but I could see a narrative way for Scotty Barnes to get into this mix. Cause I, I think the Raptors are going to be a lot better than people realize. And, I could see Scotty Barnes actually contributing to winning more this year than any other top rookie. And so I, I don't think he's a far-fetched option, especially if one of those top two guys gets injured. Yeah, I wanted to mention Barnes. I think he, probably of all the rookies, has generated the most momentum in the preseason. And part of that is a lot of the guys who project to be ahead of him on the Raptors' step chart are injured right now. So we're not really sure what his role is going to be when they're fully healthy, but I, I mean, I think he's played well enough and I think yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the Raptors are going to be better than people think, but I also don't think expectations are unrealistically high where they'll feel like they can't play him. Yeah. You know, I, and I also think he's, he's, he's just been good enough that he's not going to be a glaring negative when he's out there. The, the question is like, will, will he have the numbers ultimately to, you know, outweigh somebody in, in green or Cunningham who's playing 30 plus minutes a night and, and maybe scoring 20 a game? Probably not, but, but I think he'll be in the mix. Uh, one thing I did note, looking back, um, since 2000, so that is now, what, like 20 years worth, 21 years worth of rookies, only five number one picks have one rookie of the year in their true rookie season. So seven number one picks overall, if you're counting Ben Simmons and Blake Griffin, who both sat out their true rookie years. But uh, only five, Wiggins, Towns, Kyrie, Derrick Rose, and LeBron James, uh, have won it in their true rookie year. Wow. Um Huh. Yeah, that's that's a good pull. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last two obviously were were Lamelo and Morant, Luca before that. Um, you had a couple weird ones in there, Brogdon, MCW. Um, you know, it's not like guys are are coming out of the mid twenties to win this every year, but being number one, not exactly an advantage um, when you look historically. Let's go to most improved player. I think this one was was really fun to break down last year. It was a a, a hotly contested race throughout the season until Julius Randle kind of pulled away at the end. I think we're looking at a similar race this year. I mean, if, if you look at the odds on DraftKings, nobody's higher than nine to one. There's not really a true favorite. Uh, MPJ is at nine to one. I mean, you can go all the way down to like 50, 60 to one and pull out some names that seem really realistic. So, so who are your candidates here and who are you going with for most improved? So Michael Porter Jr. I think is the right guy to have the best odds. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with Jordan Poole. Um, like he's obviously just been 
generating a ton of buzz this preseason. He looks spectacular on offense. And he kind of, you know, Michael Porter, he's kind of one of those most improved candidates that I don't really like in terms of like the spirit of the award, because I sort of expect Michael Porter Jr. to just be about as good as he was down the stretch last year and just kind of carry that over with a higher usage rate this year. Uh, So like, did he really get a ton better or is he just going to get more shots? Um, Jordan Poole, on the other hand, I think, you know, he did flash uh, some stuff towards the end of last year and and in the play-in, but um, like, I think he's going to go from like a guy who was not even someone that people knew about midway through last season to a guy who is like, you know, maybe the Warriors second best offensive player over the course of the season. And I think there's going to be some buzz. Um, you know, the, the Warriors probably have more reporters covering them than maybe any team in the league other than maybe like the Lakers. Um, so I just, I think he's going to be, his name's going to be kind of in the public consciousness all season. And, uh, he's going to have a lot of like highlight games where him and Steph, combined for like 75 80 points and they're just pulling all these crazy threes and stuff so um i'm gonna go jordan Poole, but i you know i think michael porter is kind of a he's a he's a safe favorite to win the award Poole's an interesting one i i considered him i i think it's actually i mean it's a legitimate choice i mean he's 15 to 1 right now like if you, if you haven't been following preseason basketball that's probably a pretty shocking name to see that high up on the list, but I think that speaks to to the true hype that was starting to surround him. And you know, with Clay Thompson being out for the first like 35 games of the year, he's going to have a real opportunity. So I like that call. I'm going to go with John Morant. He's at 30 to one. Um, I, I think we talked about him last week or the week before. And the question is basically like, is he already too good to win this award? And there's definitely a chance that that's the case. That you know, he he really. He could continue to incrementally get better, but will he make like that monster leap that you usually need to separate yourself for this award? I, I think he can do it. I mean, I, I think he, there are still aspects of his game defensively, three point shooting, um, that, that he has room to make major improvements. And, you know, if he, if he can do that, if the Grizzlies are, you know, hovering around 500 or, or slightly above 500 as they have been these last couple of years and he can make his first all star game. Um, I, I think that would be a big step. Obviously, he's a huge name already. It's like he, he kind of gets this inherent boost, much like Zion in a lot of ways, where people love him and love watching him. And he's like, you know, an extremely fun player um, in pretty much every aspect. So he, he has an advantage over guys who are less fun to watch. Um, so I, I like Moran at 30 to 1. The other guys I considered, De'Aaron Fox, he's at 22 to 1. Anthony Edwards at 30 to 1. Uh, and then a guy I'm surprised, I, I thought this would be your pick for sure. Uh, OG Ananobi's at 25 to 1. Yeah, yeah. OG's a, a great candidate. Uh, absolutely love um, his potential to really kind of solidify himself as one of the best forwards in the league, especially when factoring in two way play. Um, yeah, I mean, he OG would probably be my second or third pick behind pool and right there with Porter Jr. I mean, I think from an odd standpoint, I think OG is the best bet when we lay out all those odds. 
Yeah, and to be clear, we're going with, you know, for, for the sake of this exercise, it's who we think will win, not who's the best bet. Um, where do you come in on Morant? Um, I guess I could see it. I mean, I it'd be really cool if you were right, because that would mean that he just kind of solidified himself as, you know, uh, a future maybe first-team All-NBA type of guy. Uh, because he already has established such a high level. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just – he's so good at certain things and so bad at other things. Like, I don't know if he's capable of really improving on the things he's bad at to the point where he'd win this award. Like, if he gets better, I think it'll be him just – becoming even better at the stuff he's already good at. Um, you know, I'd love for him to go out there and, like, shoot 36% from three or something like that. I mean, that would be awesome. And that he yeah. probably would win the award. I just I don't really see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikola Vucevic is 70-1 to 1 for some reason. I don't know what would have to happen for, like, 30-year-old Nikola Vucevic to win this award. The only other name that, that I really considered, and I don't know that I would have a few weeks ago, um, but because he's played so well in the preseason – Tyler Hero at sixty to one is at least mildly intriguing. Mm, love it, love it. I've been uh, been scooping up a lot of Tyler Hero uh, in, in drafts, as with Ananobi and Poole, so and Porter actually. So um, yeah, I hope that we're I hope that we're kind of spot on with a lot of these names we're throwing out there. Yeah, I think you got. Did you get three of those four in yesterday's stake auction? Uh, yeah, pool Porter and OG. Yep. Yeah. And I yeah. I overpaid uh, significantly on Porter and OG, but had to have. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS fantasy football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000, and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer and get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, coach of the year. Where are you going here? Yeah, so um, obviously, I mean, every year there's like five really good candidates minimum. Um, And then the the media just sort of seems to lean towards one guy for whatever reason. But uh, I so the four guys who I think are going to be very strong candidates, but runners up are Nate McMillan. Nick Nurse, Michael Malone, and Monty Williams. 
but I'm going to pick Ime Udoka to win it. Uh, I think the Celtics are just going to kind of, I don't know if they're going to surprise people because I, I don't, I mean, I, I think they could win over 50 games, like 50, 51 wins, you know, and if they get there, um, and it, and like Jason Tatum kind of takes a leap to being, you know, second team all NBA kind of guy. Um, Jalen Brown maybe takes a leap to become like a, a borderline third team all NBA type of guy. Robert Williams gets into like the lower end defensive player of the year mix. You know, I could see that like they're not being a way to reward any of those guys with an award. So they would just give it to Ime Doka since he's, um, you know, I think he's he's definitely an up and coming coach, and um, you know, I, I think the process that the Celtics used to find their new GM, and I mean, I think it was suspect. I mean, it's not like they interviewed candidates, but I think Brad Stevens is going to be really good in that role, and I think he knew what he was doing and hiring Ime Udoka to replace him, and uh, so I'm I'm going to go with him. But I mean, I think. McMillan, Nurse, Malone, and, and Monty all have a, a strong shot as well. So I feel like Yudoka is probably the most common name that you see in this discussion. So I think you're on the right track there. I I just don't know how much credit he's going to get necessarily because the Brad Stevens thing was weird, but everybody still was really high on Brad Stevens before the shakeup. And I, I think if anything, it was just kind of like a, a general underachieving for the Celtics last year, that wasn't really blamed on Stevens. I feel like it was just it was just chalked up to like, well, that was a weird year. And if they turn around and win 50 games, I, I don't I don't know that the credit will go to Udoka. I think it'll be like people already expect this team to be pretty good, and, and like Tatum and Brown have already proven that they're good. Like I, I just don't know I don't know what how the narrative necessarily shifts in his direction, other than new coach team wins 50 games. Um, but when, when the previous coach was was still like pretty beloved overall. I guess I'm, I'm I'm not sure that people will will just automatically assume that Udoko is like a huge upgrade over Brad Stevens, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get it. Um, I mean, I think Brad Stevens had just like lost the team, so sure. like I don't think he was. Like, I don't think anyone disliked him as a person, but I don't think he was. Like I don't think he was adding anything as a coach last year. Um. So I yeah I mean it it's tough like this is such a silly award like I mean we know like Eric Spolstra isn't going to win the award right and you know the, I mean we know who the best coaches are the best coaches typically don't like win this award it's usually the coach who has the team that surprise people the most but um yeah I don't know who do you got I didn't feel great about this one uh but I'm going to go Mike Malone 14 to 1. He's never won it. It feels like he should have won it like three or four times over the last few years. He's always been beaten out by somebody. And, and I think the narrative is set up well. You know, you're without Jamal Murray. Um, you know, kind of, kind of did what you could in the playoffs last year, had a valiant exit. And, and I think this team could still be really good. Uh, obviously a lot of that credit will go to Jokic if, if this team does win like 50 games without Murray. Uh, so that is a concern, but, I think part of it is like it's really hard to win this award twice. It's definitely hard to win it twice within a relatively short period. So like I don't, I don't see like obviously Tom Thibodeau is not going to win it back to back. Like I don't think Nick Nurse wins it for the second time in three years. Like Bud won it the year before that. Um, 
I, you know, like once you won it, 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 it's just hard to do it again unless you're with a different team in a completely different situation. Um, so I, I think Malone is kind of next up. Like he's he's in that category with um, like Quinn Snyder has still never won it. You know, guys who just consistently produce regular season winners because this award is voted before the postseason. So I, I like Malone at fourteen to one. The other names I really considered were were Ty Lue, James Borrego in Charlotte, uh, and then Rick Carlisle in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Malone a lot. Like, like I said, the, I mean, he's he's got a pretty clear narrative to win it, and I think he's pretty well liked within the media. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's a that's a good call. All right, let's go to the All Stars. Uh, sometime after the season begins, uh, maybe at the quarter mark or so, we'll do we'll do All NBA predictions. But we wanted to choose one or the other, and and we'll know the All Stars well before we know the All NBA picks. So we'll go there. Um, of course, they're, you know, it's no longer East versus West, so these guys end up getting scrambled, but still 12 from each conference. Um, so you want to give me your, give me your all-star starters in the Eastern Conference. We'll begin there. Uh, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Harden, and Trey Young. Four, four of those to me are locks, and the Trey Young's fat, I think, is up for grabs. Okay, I have the exact same. Um, yeah, like you said, four of those guys provided that they're healthy, I think are locks. Um, you know, the, the, the Trey Young spot is, is easily the least secure. I think I could see Bradley Beal there. I could see Zach Levine. I could see, you know, if they fudge it a little bit and they, you know, they kind of just scrap positions to some degree, I, I think like Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler could maybe slide in there. But if we're going two guards and three front court, I think Harden, Young, Embiid, Durant, Giannis is going to be pretty close to a consensus in the East. Yeah, to me it was between under the assumption they were going to do two backcourt and three frontcourt. To me, it was between Young and Levine. Um, I mean, they still do the fifty percent fan vote, right? Uh, I, for the starters, yeah, I believe it's like fifty yeah. percent fan, twenty-five percent player, twenty-five percent coach. I yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Levine's twenty five percent. I think he's gonna rate. I think he's gonna rate really well, like across the board. Uh, and I think like Bulls, there's a lot of Bulls fan buzz out there. I think they're gonna vote. They're gonna stuff the boxes for Levine. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, Trey Young is like my my one of my buddies has a a kid who's in like middle school, and Trey Young's his favorite player now based on like Brutal. what happened in the playoffs last year. And I, I just think Trey Young's got this uh, kind of growing popularity amongst young kids who, who typically vote for this type of thing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely true. And as a, a one-time young kid who used to definitely <laughs> vote for this, uh, I can attest. I was, I was stuffing the ballot box for Tracy McGrady over Kobe Bryant. <laughs> hey. um, all right, give me, give me your reserves in the East. So – I think Beal, Levine, and Tatum are locks. And then, I mean, I don't feel that great about the next four, but I went with Bam, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, and LaMelo Ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's tough. Like, I, you know, I don't really think Julius Randle's going to deserve it. But I think, like, the coaches coaches like to usually just kind of look at the standings and be like, all right, well, this team needs one, this team needs one, this team needs one. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, does do the Bucks get Chris or Drew on there? I mean, maybe maybe they get both of them. Uh, you know, does Jimmy Butler get on there? Um, I don't know. I, I think the coaches would be more likely to give one to the Heat and one to another team than two to the Heat. But and I mean, do the coaches even like Lamelo Ball's style of play enough to put him on there? I, I don't know. I think it's it's going to be a tough call. Yeah, these were difficult. So I have I have Tatum, Beal, Randall, Levine, and Lamelo. Um, you had you had those five as well. Uh, my final two were Jimmy Butler and a name I don't believe you mentioned, Chris Middleton, and that's under the assumption that the Bucks are first or second in the East, and they kind of get the automatic. You need at least two guys, you know, for this team that is one of the best in the league. So I, I think Middleton, after getting snubbed last year, is back in. I think he gets the the NBA championship bump. Um, I, I consider Drew Holiday for that spot, but I think if you're picking between those two, uh, Middleton will have the more more impressive, like, basic numbers. Like you said, M- much like a lot of these awards, you know, it's points plus rebounds plus assists. And and I think Middleton is, you know, the, the baseline for him has just been so high these last few years. Uh, didn't feel great about leaving off Bam. Didn't feel great about leaving off Jalen Brown. I, I considered Sabonis for that Julius Randle spot. Uh, he was on it last year. Uh, obviously, the counting stats are going to be good. Siakam, I could see bouncing back, although, you know, maybe he misses some time early on and, and that kind of sets him back. Um, and then the other candidates I had were Vucevic, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, Lonzo Ball, and I think that's it. Oh, Tobias. Yeah, Harris, you know, that's, that's I actually, I, I actually think, um, like a long shot candidate to me is John Collins because I think sure. the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks could realistically have the best record in the East at the break, or at, at the very least, like a top three record. Uh, that that's kind of my projection. So, you know, if the, if they're close to first in the conference, do they get two on? And I mean, I think John Collins is a, is a huge value in drafts right now. Uh, like, I think people are just kind of you know, they were disappointed in what he did last year, but I, I think he might be ready to take a, a step forward. So uh, I could see a case for him. And, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's tough to say. Like, you, you mentioned Middleton because they'll want to get the Bucks two guys. I mean, I just think it's from each coach to the next, picking between Middleton and Drew Holiday, you know, I think you flip a coin. So I don't, I don't think there will be any kind of consensus there. Yeah, well, and Rodney Hood. Too. You know, so you're, you're, maybe you're splitting votes three ways between the coaches. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Uh, let's go let's go to starters in the Western Conference. Uh Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron, 
Jokic, and AD. Okay, I, I have four of those five. I have Paul George at one of the front court spots instead of AD. Mm. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, I, is he more popular than, than AD with fans? Probably not, but I, I am operating under the assumption that the Lakers are going to struggle early on, and, and AD could, could be set back a little bit, could also be injured. Um, I, I don't think AD started the All-Star game last year. I really think AD is going to have a good year this year. So I I think he um, just kind of reestablishes that he's one of the best players in the league and gets okay. on there. But And I also think the Clippers are, you know, maybe the Lakers get off to a slow start. I mean, they're, the injuries they've already suffered aren't great, especially considering who they're to. But, um, like, are the Clippers going to have a better record than the Lakers? Like, I, I don't know. Early on, I, I I really think so. I went on a I wouldn't call it a rant <laughs> yesterday, but dude, have you have you watched the Lakers preseason? Like it's it's disastrous. Like they look oh, man. horrible. Uh oh, I'm telling you, it's not good. I, I think <laughs> I would I would say it's a lock that they're going to struggle can, through their first like, twenty point, games. If a if a team has a losing record, can they have two All Star starters? If any team can, it would be this one. But no, I, I I told Alex like I want to lock it in. I think the Lakers will be no better than 500 through 20 games. I, I think they're long term. I'm still pretty bullish or relatively bullish. But I'm telling you, it's going to be bad early on. I, I don't know how much. It, it, did you watch their their preseason game? I think it was Monday night by chance. Uh no, I mean to me they're like the least interesting preseason team because like I know how good all their players are already, but. Um, but yeah, tell me, tell me about this game. Don't you? It's I'm sure you've read about it or, or heard about it on pods, but like it looks it looks worse than than like whatever Brian Windhorst is telling you on the hoop collective. Like it's I'm telling you, it's gonna it's gonna be bad. I, I I told Alex I think it comes in somewhere between like the 04 Lakers and the Steve Nash uh Dwight Howard Lakers. Where I don't think they'll be quite as disastrous as as the Nash team, but I also don't know that they'll make the finals like the Carl Malone Gary Payton team did. Uh, it just it just looks bad. So we'll see. Uh, again, they have, they have time. I, I think the talent eventually wins out as it normally does in the NBA. Um, and, and we could dig into this one in a little bit when we talk finals. Um, but but give me the rest of your guys in the West. Yeah. So I, I had Paul George on my bench, and then Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. Uh, those are all pretty safe picks to me. And then you got to have some front court guys in there. I went with Carl Towns, Michael Porter, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, I do not have Zion Williamson, which is more to do with how many games I think he's going to play in the first half than anything else. But um, I thought it was it was tough to pick those final three spots. Yeah, for sure. So on the on the Zion Williamson front, um, I am reading a tweet as we speak from Shamsterania. Of the athletics, Zion Williamson will be reevaluated in two weeks, and there is no timetable for his return for now. Yeah, I mean, this just stink. Like it just reeks of something bad. Like it's just going to be a thing where he mm-hmm. is not. Like I think he's going to miss the first like three, four weeks minimum, and then you're just going to have all kinds of. Like stuff about his camp and the Pelicans not being on the same page and like, like, I mean, he might, 
like I could see him just like shutting it down or something. It, like it's just a, oh, yeah. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I told you a couple weeks ago that like he's on my do not draft list with Kyrie just because I just don't trust it at all. Um, so, you know, I think he would. You know, I think he if he even played like 15 games before the All Star break, he'd probably be top five in fan voting in the West. But that's not going to get him in as a starter, and he's definitely not going to get picked by the coaches. Yeah, I mean, I I put this list together last night, you know, before this latest update, obviously, and and even then, I left Zion off my reserves because of this exact fear. I mean, the guy has not set foot on the court in the preseason. You know, he's been doing light running, whatever that means. And, and the Pelicans are out of preseason games. Like, it, it always felt to me very unlikely that he was going to be, you know, rehabbing for most of the offseason, show up to camp, not really do anything, not play in any preseason games, and then just go out and play opening night. Like, everything we know about Zion Williamson implies that that is the opposite of what he would do. And so, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that he's going to miss probably at least the first, like, five to ten games of the regular season. We'll see where he is after that two-week period. But... I mean, not not to like dog on Zion, but like, I, do we trust that he's not really somebody that you trust to say like, oh, he's probably been keeping himself in great shape. He'll be ready to hit the ground running. You know, like he's whenever he comes back from this, it's like it's probably going to take him a while to to look like Pete Zion Williamson. I don't know. I and, and like you said, I, I you were kind of half joking. Like he could he could just shut it down. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Well, think about how bad this team's going to be when he doesn't play. Like. Right. The more the more games he misses, the more hopeless their chances this season will look. Like they could be five and fifteen when he's ready to return. And at that, that point, it's like you know, I mean, I, that like they built like this team's been terribly built for the past like three years, but a lot of the pieces they have are there to fit around Zion. Like that that was the whole point of bringing in Devontae Graham to, like, stretch the floor a little bit more and everything. Um, those pieces just don't fit without Zion. I mean, it's it's a it's just a straight-up bad team without him. So, um, and, I mean, to your point, he seems to be in worse shape almost every year. Like, I yeah. mean, he's just so big. Like, it's just – and the, the nature of the injury he's trying to return from, you know, like uh, – it just it just is red flag city. I would not recommend touching him in any sort of fancy draft right now. Yeah. All right, so so my five starters in the West, Jokic, LeBron, Paul George, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, my seven reserves, Damian Lillard, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Davis, John Morant, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. And the others receiving votes, Zion, De'Aaron Fox, Draymond, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, SGA, Christian Wood, maybe. We'll see. CJ McCollum, Michael Porter, and uh, Carmelo Anthony. So is our one disagreement me having Porter and you having Ja? I think and so. Like, in terms of the total roster, I know I know you had Paul George as a starter and I had AD. Right. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, did you did you have Melo in consideration or no? <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, yeah, I think his his numbers will be pretty similar to Michael Porter. Uh, big time scoring, uh, big time shooting. You know, not not a ton else, yeah. but um, yeah. I mean, I just think like Port, like I think Porter is going to be on a team that has a top six record in the conference, and I think he'll be averaging over twenty five points a game. And like, I think the 
Grizzlies will be like 500. And I mean, it just, you usually, the best place to start for all this stuff is just look when you're doing all-star reserves is just, what do you think the win loss records are going to look like? Cause losing teams don't get all-stars voted in by the coaches unless the guy is like a Bradley Beal level, uh, established star. And so I just, I, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about it. Um, I mean, because you can kind of go through, like, the best teams in the West and, like, the Jazz aren't getting more than two. The Suns probably are just getting Booker. The Mavs probably are just getting Doncic. I actually have liked how Porzingis has looked, but, um, you know, the Lakers are just going to get AD and LeBron. The Warriors are probably just going to get Steph. I mean, could Draymond make it? Um, I think if they're really good, Draymond could make it. Uh, I don't know that they'll be that good with, with no clay. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if they if they go into the all-star break as, like, the two or the three seed in the West, then sure. And, like, the Clippers are just going to get one guy. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, we'll see about the two. <laughs> All right, we got to go to NBA Finals matchup. Well, should we do the standing, predicting the playoffs? Oh yeah, sure. First sure yeah. Look, I, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't know you had that. Let's do it. Absolutely. Give me your. Uh, did you go one through ten or one through eight? One through ten. Okay, perfect. Uh, lead it off, whichever conference you want. Okay, so we'll go. We'll start. We'll go back to the East. Uh, the Bucks getting the one seed. The Nets getting the two seed. The Hawks getting the three seed. The Celtics getting the four seed. The Seventy Sixers getting the fifth seed. The Heat getting the sixth seed. The Raptors getting the seventh seed, the Knicks getting the eighth seed, and the Bulls getting the ninth seed with the Pacers getting the the, the tenth seed. Okay. I, I could tell by the way you said the Raptors at number seven. Um, a, a bit of a surprise. I, I don't think you're too far off with Toronto. I, I don't think that would be – I don't know. Maybe, maybe to, like, the, the collective NBA world that would be a little surprising, but I also don't think it's crazy to look at that team and look at that coach and the organization and say – I think they could be better than the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Pacers. Well, Vegas gives them, like, the 11th best over-under in the conference. So, like, it's it's definitely running against Vegas, but I think you're right. Like, I don't think it's running that hard against the way people are talking about these teams. But um, what do you, do you have yours at all? Or? I sure do. So, in the East, I have the Bucks at one. The Nets at two, the Hawks at three. We're in agreement there. Um, I, I still, I, I'm still a little iffy on the Hawks. Like I, I just, I think I was just so unprepared for them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals last year that I'm having a hard time believing like that's just their baseline now. But the roster is, is crazy deep. Trey Young is really good. You know, bringing back John Collins, I think they felt like they could go either way on that. I think they made the right call bringing him back. Like they're they're just loaded. Um, so I, I think they're I have them at three. I have Miami up at four. I have the Celtics at five, Philly at six, the New York Knicks at seven, Toronto at eight, uh, the Chicago Bulls at nine, and then the Charlotte Hornets as the ten. Yeah, it was I. It was tough for me between the Pacers and the Hornets for ten. Um, yeah. I mean, the Pacers seem to just be losing a player every exactly. day. Uh, I think the Hornets are probably going to be the most fun team to watch in the league. But, um, I mean, their defense could just be really bad. 
uh, like their their most fun lineups are with PJ Washington at center, and those teams could be just so fun to watch and transition and everything, but they're just not going to be able to guard anyone. Well, they also have been hesitant to play PJ Washington with that group. It's just preseason, but I, I didn't love the Mason Plumley acquisition. Like that just felt he, like acquiring he's a guy bad. that you now have to play, even though you don't really want to. He's looked pretty bad. Like PJ Washington yeah. or Plumley? No, Plumley. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, like that's. I know he's not like a good player, but like you, you don't want him to like the whole idea of of getting him is that he's gonna just be the anti Bismack Biombo and just not make mistakes and just kind of, you know, finish his dunks and finish his alley-oops and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I've seen him have dunk attempts blocked, like, from behind already in the preseason and stuff. Like, he, he just, you know, I, I don't know. I think that they really should have put an offer sheet out there on someone like, you know, whether it was Collins or Rashawn Holmes or something like that. They, they should have maybe got a bit bigger game hunting than, than Mason Plumley. Yeah, like I said, I just I think you're bringing in somebody who's just good enough that you're kind of obligated to play him, and you paid him enough that you feel like you have to play him, and I, I think you just have better options. You have better options, and I think ideally, you know, they're going to they're gonna run into the same situation that they've been in uh, with, like, the Cody Zellers of the world, where it's like, well, I guess he's healthy, but we'll just start him at center. And it's like, has anybody checked, like, is this actually what's best for the team? Like, it's the same situation Plumley himself was in, in Detroit last year, where, like, that contract never made sense. You know, this team actually has more expectations than that Pistons team did. But but even the Pistons, I felt like, for a team that was trying to lose midway through the season, they're like, why is this guy even on our roster? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense with, with what's around him. What what do you think the ceiling is for the 76ers, and what is the floor for the 76ers in terms of, like, where they finish in the East? Man. I mean, regular season-wise, the ceiling is probably as high as three, you know, and that's like Embiid has the healthiest season of his career. He goes scorched earth, like maybe Simmons plays or you, you trade Simmons and, and it works out. You know, you get guys who, who really click, which I, I think is a, a distinct possibility. You know, like even if you take an underwhelming package in the end for Simmons, you're still going to get like two really good starters probably out of it. And, you know, when you, when you have a team built around Embiid, you don't necessarily need another super, superstar next to him. You know, if you can get Lillard, that's great. But if you can get two or three really high quality ro- like role players or rotation players, I think that could, that could ultimately end up yielding similar results. So like, I, I'm not ready to write off the Sixers. You know, the worst case scenario is you're out of the playoffs, right? Like if Embiid gets hurt, if he, if something like, if he has a serious knee injury or, you know, breaks his foot or something like that. And I, I know in general, you don't want to like predict injuries, but I think Embiid is in a separate category with that, where it's, it's like, it's just part of the deal. It's realistic to say like, you know, there's like a 50, 50 chance this guy stays healthy. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, like that's always been the case for them. Like even when Simmons was there and was like ostensibly happy and part of the team, if it goes down for 50 games, like everything kind of goes down the drain with him. I did hear someone kind of float the idea uh, a couple weeks ago that they could just trade Simmons for more of like an asset laden package. And like if, if, if MB just like tweaked a knee or something, just kind of pull like a, like a Spurs and just do the one year hardcore tank yeah. and get a high pick and then, you know, just kind of re, regroup and, and recalibrate 
for the next season to try to win the title. Um, because it's just, it's, it, I just cannot imagine this team advancing past, you know, the second round of the playoffs with or without Simmons, unless Daryl Morey pulls something completely out of his ass, like in terms of trading Simmons for a, a star. Um, but I, like, I think if, like, if you just, if you just put, I know that he's not going to take a CJ McCollum deal, but like, if you just put CJ McCollum on this team and remove Ben Simmons, I think they would be the clear third best team in the conference. Um, I've always but, loved the CJ option. Like if people, people have talked about that. Like he would be settling for just like this terrible return. I, I think he would be an awesome fit there. And obviously defensively, maybe it creates some issues, but I think that's like exactly the type of, you know, kind of like CJ McCollum plus Tobias Harris. Like neither of those guys are like a great number two, but those guys combining to be like your number three are, is a really, really good package. You you have to like for this team to reach its ceiling, it has to be Embiid and four big time shooters as like your closing lineup. And I think if you can if you can run that out there, that's a that's a big time team without Ben Simmons. I mean, it's just you know, will they have that? Um, because like Embiid Embiid's kind of on that. Luka Doncic level of, you know, he, he's not as trustworthy in terms of how many games he's going to play, but like you said, you don't need that second super duper star to get over 50 wins with NBA. No, I, I think if anything, unless you have a otherworldly collection of talent, like the Nets or like the Warriors or, or some of those Cavs teams, like I almost feel like for the regular season, it's better to not have that, top heavy build like those teams that are consistently racking up 50 win seasons you know phoenix last year utah's been doing it for a while milwaukee like these are complete teams that have one superstar and a couple of really good players below him but they're not the two or three superstars and then nine role players who are all like dramatically worse than those top guys so you're saying you don't like the lakers build I I do not like the Lakers build. I would I would like it a lot more if it was like Damian Lillard instead of Russell Westbrook. That that's where I where I have some issues with with how this roster is constructed. All right, so should I list off my top ten in the West? Please do. All right, number one Phoenix Suns, number two Utah Jazz, number three Mavericks, four the Lakers, five the Warriors. Six, the Nuggets. Seven, the Trailblazers. Eight, the Clippers. Nine, the Grizzlies. And ten, the Timberwolves. Wow, we have a remarkably similar list. A couple teams are flip-flopped, but I have Phoenix, Utah. I have Denver up at three, and that that ties into my Michael Malone Coach of the Year narrative. Mm -hmm. I have the Lakers at four, Mavericks five, Warriors six, Blazers seven, Clippers eight, Memphis nine. And it, it felt weird saying this, but... You look at the, the bottom teams in the West. Like, I, I like it, it came down to Minnesota and Sacramento because I'm, I'm crossing off. I'm crossing off New Orleans. I don't want to deal with New Orleans whatsoever. Uh, I mean, OKC and Houston might be ten games behind these teams, which is saying a lot. Um, I, the Spurs could weirdly still be in the mix just because they're trying to win, and some of these other teams aren't. Um, but, but for the first time in a really long time, I, I do sense some genuine optimism in Minnesota that that this group could actually be respectable. Dude, I, I did a uh, – well, you know, I, I bought Carl Towns in the Stake League auction last night, and I'm currently doing an NFBKC slow draft where I 
I stacked Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. So I'm, I'm feeling the, the T-Wolves, the, I mean, it's, it's heating up and, you know, I, I think it did, it did come down to the Timberwolves versus the Kings for me, but I just think that that, like, Carl Anthony Towns is on a different planet from Deer and Fox to me yeah. in terms of just someone who's going to carry a team to, to wins and, they just, I kind of like the Timberwolves identity as this like all offense, no defense type of team. Um, you know, like Anthony Edwards, I think I was definitely too low on him as a, as a draft prospect. And like the more I watch him, I mean, I, I just think he's going to just be. A total machine on offense. And I think D'Angelo Russell is a, like, he went from being super, super, super overrated to the point where now I think he's like a little underrated, especially for fantasy. And I mean, it, it's only going to take like 38 wins to get that 10 seed, maybe 37 wins. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to, crazy to say, but it felt right. I, I did have D'Angelo Russell on my, won't draft under any circumstances list for an article uh, that, that we did this preseason. So I, I did have to back off it. He looked extremely good in their last preseason game, though. Uh, I'll say that. And he's probably, he's probably when he's healthy, he's more valuable for fantasy than he is in real life. But um, no, I, I think that's a strong assessment. Like the Timberwolves are, are building, they remind me of like, like the 2010, like Texas Tech football team. Where it's like, we're just going to, we're just going to try to win every game, like 63 to 58 if we can. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically the the bulls of the Western Conference. Yes, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. All right, so we're in, we're in most mostly agreement, at least in the teams that are going to be I, in the mix for these spots. I will say I almost moved the Lakers from four to six uh, after hearing your your rant. Um, I mean, could you? Would that be crazy to say that the no. Mavs, Warriors, and Nuggets finish with a better record than the Lakers? No, I'm telling you, man, it's it's not going to be good to begin the year. I, I think I think they're going to be okay on defense, which you know is, is a little bit ironic because of how old the roster is. Like usually, that's more the concern. Uh, but this team just can't score, and like they they the spacing has looked terrible. And part of it is the injuries. You know, they've had some untimely injuries to some wings and guards already that are going to set them back. But um, it, it, you know, watching them in the preseason, it, it looks a lot like it did last season, where. You know, it's just LeBron and AD, like, driving into a crowd, you know, hoping for a foul, kicking it out to a wide-open guy who's, like, a 28% three-point shooter. Um, like, Wayne Ellington is not going to magically solve all of those issues. Um, but but the reason that, you know, and this this will transition to our finals matchup, the reason I still have the Lakers going to the finals is, like, that brand of basketball somehow still works when you have LeBron and Davis. You know, like, that, I, I maintain that if LeBron and Davis were fully healthy, they would have beaten Phoenix in round one. And I, I think we would view the Suns a lot differently. And we'd be talking about the Lakers a lot differently. Like for as ugly as it was for as like they had no shooting on that team at all. And I still think they were going to beat Phoenix. And I still think they would have gone to the finals and who knows, you know, what happens along the way or, or whether they ultimately win it. I don't know, but like the baseline of talent is still high enough that even though I think it's going to look really ugly at times, um, I, I've just, I, I've learned that it's best not to, to to bet against the LeBron James team, regardless of how bad the supporting cast um, looks like it can be at times. And in terms of talent, this one is a lot better than some of the teams that he's dragged to the finals before. Well, this seems like a good segue to our finals picks. And exactly. I actually have the Bucks over the Warriors. 
And my counter to everything you just said about the Lakers in the playoffs is like the whole reason I didn't like the Russell Westbrook trade was for the playoffs. Uh, I actually thought, you know, I, I'm surprised that we're getting to this point with what we think the Lakers are going to do during the regular season because I, you know, I thought they would be a pretty easy top three seed about a month ago. Um, but it's just, you know, let's say that they fall to like the four, five, six, seven range. I mean, they're going to have a really tough path and, you know, they're going to need LeBron and AD to be extremely healthy. And teams like the, like the Warriors know exactly how to maximize, uh, like taking advantage of Russell Westbrook in a postseason setting. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm expecting basically 85% of play, uh, by the time we get to the playoffs. And I think the, the Steph Clay pool, just bombing threes with Draymond Green at center and Wiggins at the four. Like, I think that can really work. Like, I think that's, that's a really tough offense to guard in the playoffs. And I think that they're just going to be more kind of together as a team, like as a unit than a team like the Lakers or even the Mavericks. Um, I, I don't really see the Suns or Jazz as having the same type of playoff ceiling as the Mavericks, Lakers, and Warriors. So to me, they're, they're probably going to lose in the, the second round or the final, or the conference finals. But, um, I see, a, I see a path to the Mavs. I just don't trust Jason Kidd to, to lead a team to the finals. Right. Just as simple as that. And then I just think the Westbrook thing's going to sink the Lakers if they have to play a Warriors team at full strength. No, that's true. Those are all good points. I mean, the, the Westbrook thing is extremely worrisome. Um, I mean, he's, he's only had one trip to the finals and that, you know, that was with James Harden and Kevin Durant um, kind of leading the way and, and obviously a, a very different point of Westbrook's career. So it, it, I, I don't feel great about it at all. I mean, I, this is the one I probably agonized the most out of, out of everything we've talked about. Um, I, I mean, the Warriors thing, like what I kept coming back to is, and I, I know it's, it's going to be different when you have, you have Clay Thompson back. Uh, that's, that's a massive, um, you know, influx of, of just talent and, you know, a guy who's been through so many playoff games with these guys. You can't really understate that. But at the same time, this team didn't even make the playoffs last year, you know, and they had a one game to, to make it against Memphis and couldn't do it. And, and obviously if, if you throw a healthy Clay Thompson onto that team, yeah, they probably beat the Grizzlies, but I, I don't know that, you know, like you said, I, I think it's realistic, you know, about 85%. If, if, if Clay can come back at 85%, that's great. I, I don't know that this team was 85% Clay Thompson away from, you know, making the finals last year. I, I think that helps you become a lot better team. And, and they've made a few other tweaks around Steph and Draymond, but I, I still don't know that this is a NBA finals roster right now. Yeah. You know, last year was just kind of weird. I, I think um, they they just had to really push down the stretch to get in. And I think they were just kind of gassed. Um, but like, you know, like we've said, or I've mentioned on the show this offseason, you know, as soon as you took James Wiseman out of a prominent role, and then, you know, if you want to take it a step further, like getting Kelly Oubre out of there, kind of along the same lines, like as soon as you kind of remove the guys who just had no clue what they were doing in the scheme, 
and just replace him with the the pools and the Juan Toscano Andersons and the Otto Porters, like Andre Godala. It's just smart guys who sort of know what they're doing and, and aren't going to kill you. And some of those guys are, are good passers, which is which is really kind of crucial for this offense. I just I think it's a completely different team, really. Um, just because you have a little bit more trustworthy depth. And, like, last year they were trying to develop those guys and, you know, sort of push to the playoffs. I mean, this year I think they're trying to win a title. So I think it's just it's going to be a little different. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't I don't see this one clearly at all. I, I think for the first time in a while, like, the, the East might even be a little more fun to track. I think you have, like, the two – the two like highest floor and also potentially high ceiling teams in, in Milwaukee and Brooklyn out East. And a lot of teams in the West, like, you know, overall the Western conference maybe is still like a little deeper, um, you know, like the, the seven seed, for example, like I, I still like the Blazers quite a bit. Like it, it feels wrong to put them seventh, but it's also hard to justify moving them up any higher than that. But a lot of these teams in the West, like pretty much every Western conference title contender has, has either proven itself to be semi-fraudulent in the playoffs or, has like very significant question marks up and down the roster. Um, whereas those top teams like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, especially, I mean, the Nets obviously have some, some pretty pressing questions, but even if Kyrie Irving is away from the team for the entire year, I, I, I would have a hard time betting against a, you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden led team in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I think there's just a lot of bad vibes. Um, with this whole Kyrie situation and I don't know. I just, I don't trust, I, I trust the Bucks to be just kind of firing on all cylinders, ready to go. No questions. Um, then I do the nets. Like all it takes now is just one of Katie or Harden to not be at 100%. Um, and even then, you know, I just I think it's it's going to be a dogfight between those two teams. So yeah. it, I just I gave the the Bucks the slightest edge just because I think, um, you know, this type of stuff with with Kyrie. I mean, it just you you almost never see t- NBA teams that have any kind of like distraction like this go on and and kind of achieve their goals. But um, I mean, the the Nets are talented enough to do it for sure. All right, let's move on to a couple fun ones quick, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, give me your nominees for the Isaiah Thomas Gunner on a Bad Team of the Year award. Uh, well, I, I'm going to give that award uh, preemptively to Anthony Edwards. Okay. Um, now, we had them making the play-in game, so not a terrible, terrible team, but I think he will be – the epitome of a gunner uh, and, a, and a fun gunner to watch at that. Um, you know, I think like Colin Sexton's always in this mix. Sure. Uh, Jalen Green will be in this mix. Kevin Porter will be in this mix. Uh, I got to throw Bradley Beal into this mix just as a, as a nod to the fact that he is on a bad team by yep. choice. And, yeah, he's, and he he's, kind of, he's like he's like the Ryder Cup captain of this team. <laughs> uh, did you have anyone good I didn't mention? Uh, you you hit on a lot of them. My nominees were Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Eric Gordon. So I mean, there's the Rockets. Like basically any guard who plays minutes for the Rockets is going to be a qualifier here. 
Uh, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, Lonnie Walker, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, Devontae Graham, Davis Bertans, Colin Sexton, and Terrence Ross, a, a mainstay in this category for most of his career. I'm going to give mine to Devontae Graham. I, I think the Pelicans have, like, <laughs> oh, like man, I, I'm looking for, like, there has to be some, like, sadness potential here. And, like, Anthony Edwards is going to gun, but I think he's going to be really good. And even if the yeah. even if the Timberwolves don't make the playoffs, they're at least going to be entertaining, and it won't be that bad. Uh, like, I, I could see this Pelican situation turning, like, really sad. And a, a lot of, like, you know, 3 for 12, 5 for 17 type of nights for Devontae Graham. Like, Devontae Graham goes for, like, 44, and they lose by 18 in February. Right. Yeah, he like, he, like, kicks a chair late in the fourth quarter coming out of the game. Right, exactly. Uh, okay, so we, you and I used to do this for college basketball, and we, we've gotten away from it the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, we can kind of translate the exercise to the NBA. Uh, who are your my guys for the 2021-22 season? You know, I'm not asking for, like, who are your favorite players necessarily or who's, like you know, like your favorite player on your favorite team. But, like, just, like, cool guys, cool guys, dudes around the league uh, that you, you kind of, like, low-key root to do well. Okay, so I need you to just give me a couple um, qualifiers here. Uh, like, you know, what – A, how many how many guys do you want me to list? Because I have, like, a list of 15 or so, and I can narrow – I'd be happy to narrow that down if you want to – I have I have eight. Okay, and then, like, do you have anybody who is a borderline top 50 pick in fantasy, or, or are all your guys, like, lower than that? I have one guy who would be in that category. Okay. Um, but you can, you can take it wherever you want. There are no parameters here. Right. It's just it's your guys. So I'm, I'm going to kind of list these sort of in order of, of fantasy relevance. Um, OG Ananobi, McCall Bridges, Jalen Green, Miles Bridges, Jaden McDaniels, uh, I should have had these guys earlier, but uh, Rashawn Holmes and Isaiah Stewart. Um, Seth Seth Curry. I'm a big Seth Curry guy. Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, Alperin Sengun, Terrence Mann. And then these these two guys have really kind of made made strong pushes to become, you know, kind of uh, faces of my guys for the season, and that's Xavier Tillman and Precious Petrua. Okay, I, I almost all those I was like, yep, that checks out. That checks out. Um, you know, you, you've made it known that that you've you kind of staked a claim to a lot of those guys. That's a fantastic list. Uh, finishing it out with Precious Petrua too. That, that's a guy I overlooked. Uh, he would probably be an honorable mention. My guy for the season. Uh, I have uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He's the the borderline top fifty guy by far. <laughs> the the most established player on this list by far. Uh, and the rest of the team is Mo Bamba, uh, a mainstay on this team for a while. <laughs> Trey Murphy in New Orleans. Jalen Johnson in Atlanta. Uh, Nishan Bones Highland in Denver. Any player named Bones automatically gets on the team, no questions asked. Uh, Eves Pons. I, I, are you familiar with Eves Pons? <laughs> um, did, that, is that, did that used to be Shimori Pons? No, good good question. No, different guy. Uh, this is uh, P-O-N-S. That was P-O-N-D-S. No relation. Okay. I believe this guy's French. He played at Tennessee. Um, he's currently on a two-way with the Memphis Grizzlies. But 
doesn't have like a ton of skill, but just can like jump out of the gym. Like all he does is like throw down huge dunks. So that's okay. kind of an instant, you know, attraction for me. I'm not sure he's, if he's going to play in more than like 10 games this year. Doesn't really matter. Should be a, should be in the G League dunk contest, that type of guy. Um, you know, like Jamario Moon type of vibes. And the last guy I have is Scotty Barnes. And I, I think we're in agreement. Like maybe it's a little too early to, to make him a my guy, but I think he, he's, he's the type of guy that two, three years from now could be captaining these teams. So the most obvious guy for, that you listed was Jalen Johnson. Like I think he's uh, a very, very classic McWhalen guy. Yeah. And I oh, think you guys will have a, yeah. you'll have a long run together, I think. Um, well, here's the thing with Jalen Johnson. He did, he did an off-the-backboard dunk in Summer League and then had another off-the-backboard dunk in the preseason opener. So that sealed it for me. Wow. T-Mac 2.0? Many, many are saying. We'll see. <laughs> How did how does Greg Jones not crack that list? Who's Greg Jones? Or um Kai Jones? Who's the Greg Brown? Greg Brown. Greg Brown. How's Greg, Greg Brown? Greg Brown. Yeah, well, I considered both Kai Jones and Greg Brown. Kind of similar players. <laughs> um just dunkers, you know, don't don't really do a whole lot else. Uh yeah, I mean they're they're certainly in consideration. Um you know who I actually thought about putting on is you know, long lost now LA Clipper, Justice Winslow. Who is, wow. kind of, you know, like he was on this team for me in like 20, 2016, really wanted him to be good in Miami. Obviously, things have not gone his way. They're playing him at center in L.A. I, I am not out on Justice Winslow quite yet. I do just want to say I I've been shut out, I think, on Precious Achua in draft so far this year because I've just been oh. kind of getting a little cute um, thinking that I can get him later than I can. and. I will not be able to get him in tonight's snack keeper auction. So uh, it's going to be tough uh, watching Precious Achua have a monster year and have him be on zero of my teams. But uh, Xavier Tillman, man, I I I, I picked the, the Grizzlies under when we did our over-under picks. I remember. And I, I've moved that to, at the very least, a stay away and possibly an over, just because I think, I think Tillman is – gonna just be a beast uh when he plays did you have him as one of your all-star reserves or not i can't remember <laughs> um get you know get back to me in like four years he might be in that mix yeah right hey, I, I don't like moran for most improved but you know who i like xavier tillman <laughs> all right man uh, i gotta i gotta go talk college football with john um you have plenty on your plate as well but appreciate you taking the time to do this yep good stuff man talk to you later Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.